right now that we're going to have an interesting discussion when you take a look at the the temperature of immigration issues in the United States and in Canada they're not the same they are white hot in the US major election campaign issues deeply divisive not to say there's no issues in Canada for sure there people have their own viewpoints but it's not like it is in the United States where it's um, just top of mind all day every day and constantly becomes uh, something that the parties go after each other on maybe there's a reason for that you know Canada has committed to welcoming tens of thousands of Afghan refugees um, in the days since the Taliban reclaimed power in that country. And it really, that's in keeping with a long history in this country of resettling refugees that goes back decades. Um, now, could that willingness to welcome refugees and get involved in the process of welcoming these refugees um, be part of the reason that immigration is slightly less volatile in this country than it is in the United States. Interesting premise. So let's get into it more with Robert Faulkner, who's a researcher in immigration and refugee policy at the University of Calgary. Robert, thank you for your time this morning. I appreciate you joining us. Shay, happy to be here. It, it really is an interesting premise that you put forward here. Now, of course, let's just you know set the table here. Canada's willingness to welcome large numbers of refugees. This is nothing new. We're doing it again with Afghanistan, but really, it goes back quite a ways, doesn't it? It does, actually. The, the, the first large mobilization of the Canadian public came after the fall of Saigon uh, in the sort of the exit from the Vietnam War, where, where Canada, in a very, very short period, uh, resettled about 60,000 Indo-Chinese refugees in about 18 months. And we've continued. I mean, there's been crisis after crisis. Syria, uh, most recently Afghanistan, and we continually step up and, and, and welcome refugees. That's what we do. That's correct. And, and a unique feature of the Canadian system is that, you know, when an American uh, is watching the news and they see what's coming out of Afghanistan and they want to help, yeah. they, they might be able to volunteer at an organization, but there's nothing they can directly do to resettle refugees. Whereas a, a Canadian can pick up the phone and with a couple of friends decide, hey, our, our baseball club, our, our church, our synagogue, our, our local community neighborhood association, we are going to sponsor a refugee. We will take the role in, in, in housing them, welcoming them, and helping them get a job in Canada. So that's a, that's a unique feature of the Canadian system. And you know what? I mean, the number of Canadians who have done that, where if they have stepped up you know, and, and donated clothing or furniture or actually welcomed these people into their home when they arrive and you know worked with them on all different kinds of programs, a lot of Canadians get very involved in this process. Correct. Um, right now, we, we think about about 5% of Canadians, that's one in 20, um, have directly sponsored refugees. That's about 1.8 million Canadians. Wow. But, but again, those are just the direct sponsors. Um, but as you said, there are plenty more who they've never actually gone through the sponsorship process themselves, but they've had their neighbor come to them and say, hey, Bob, can you donate a couch? Can you, the, movie, the, the family next week is moving in down a couple, uh, couple houses down. Can you come and uh, lend your hands a few, for a few hours and help us get them settled? So I, I actually think that the number of Canadians who've had some sort of direct or indirect uh, sort of hand in this process, I wouldn't be surprised if it sort of reached in the 25 to about 35% rate. So one in three Canadians, I think, has had a very close experience resettling a refugee. Now, the thing is, when you take a look at Canada and you take a look at the United States, in terms of the public, the general public, it's not like we support this kind of an effort more than the American public. They're wildly on board with this as well, right? They just don't have the, the ability, but they, they're on the same camp as we are. 
Correct. Actually, I, I thought it was quite interesting. You know, you, we talk about polarization in the United States yeah. right now and how, how difficult it is to get everything done. But something like 81% of Americans think that it's the correct thing to do to, to resettle Afghan interpreters. And the numbers are quite high when you even take into consideration other Afghans. So, you know, try getting anything done with those numbers these days. And, and the willingness of Americans to get involved is quite high. Um, you know, political considerations play into this as well, right? Because even when you're talking about the Afghan situation, there are politicians in the United States that have said some truly heinous things. There's been some horrible public spaces. So it can be used as a wedge issue. Absolutely. You know, we even saw this even with Afghanistan, even as popular as it yeah. is. We even had uh, members of the previous administration saying, hey, why would you want this plane full of Afghans landing in your hometown or in your home state? Exactly, as if it's something to fear or, or something like that, even though the public is supportive of it. Exactly. Um, and again, uh, it's, it, it is a wedge issue. And I think it's hard to sometimes divide these issues when you look at what's going on at the southwestern border in the United States. I think that plays into a lot. We tend to conflate what's going on there yeah. um, with the resettlement of Afghans in your hometown. So when we take a look at this, you know, the, the Canadian approach... What do you think would happen if that was something that was adopted, you know, by policymakers in the United States, where they actually had the public involved the way that Canadians are? I think it depends, uh, especially when somebody's in the media eye, of course, or in the, po- the sort of popular discourse of uh, which Afghan settling Afghans isn't right now. I think you'd actually have quite a large uptake. I've, I've sometimes toyed with this thought experience. Take what you might consider a more traditionally conservative organization like the American Legion. And I always wonder if the American Legion did one email blast out to its members and saying, hey, veterans, we need you to step up and, and help an Afghan interpreter and their family get yeah. settled in your hometown. I, I think the response would actually be quite popular and quite broad. Interesting. It is an interesting thought experiment for sure, because, I mean, the approach is... It, it, the interesting thing to me is the fact that, you know, the the people of both countries seem to feel the same way, but there's a political difference um, and, and, and obviously that dictates how things operate within the country, even if that's not necessarily what the population wants. Exactly. I, you know, there's this, we get into political theory on this and I won't get too deep in here, but there's sometimes this idea that actually the elites, the policymakers are often more polarized than the, than the American public is. Um, and I think that's actually especially true, oh, for sure. true in this particular case. Yeah, absolutely. Interesting stuff, Robert. Thank you so much for your time today. Happy to join. Appreciate it very much. That's Robert Faulkner, a researcher in immigration and refugee policy at the University of Calgary.